The Colorado Equals Security Podcast is your local source for regional security news, local events, and interviews with key individuals in the region. Now, here are your hosts, Rob Reck and Alex Wood. Welcome to Colorado Equal Security. This is the newscast for episode 189 for the week of December 7th, 2020. Alex, uh, we're, we're not quite back in lockdown, but it seems like we're moving in that direction. Yeah, uh, it does seem real close. I heard that uh, California went back into lockdown. Uh, I mean, here, you know, they had to make up that the new level so that we didn't go into lockdown. And uh, we seem to be in the, about the worst spot pandemic-wise that we've been in. So well, can't imagine Calif- it's going to be too long. California does set all the trends, don't they? Isn't that? They do. They're always first. <laughs> Everything starts there, yeah, or or Paris, which I, I do think Paris might have got there before us too. Anyway, yeah. so we are we are uh, remote. We're following good uh, social distancing rules by not being in the same zip code right now. We, we are distant, very distant. Uh, but we, ha- but even though we're distant, we're going to have a lot of fun today. Uh, most definitely, we always have fun. Um, speaking of fun, did you know we have a Slack channel? We we have uh, it's really almost seventeen hundred people who are part of uh, this community where we, we really kind of share what we're doing in security in the Colorado region and uh, use it as a way to to talk silliness and and ask for recommendations on technology, all kinds of good stuff. If you want to join the Slack channel and be part of that group, maybe you can be lucky number seventeen hundred. Uh, go out to Colorado-Security.com and click on the link for uh, the Slack channel. Yeah, I, I think if you like to have a conversations with people, there's probably a conversation about something that you want to talk about there. But just about any kind of topic is is in there somewhere. Yeah. Um, we also, on our website, colorado-security.com, we have a mailing list. If you'd like to receive an email uh, with notification of the new podcast in the show notes, go to the website, scroll to the bottom, put your email in and sign up for the mailing list. Love that. And of course, we'd love it if you would rate us and subscribe on your favorite podcast listening application. That's one way you can tell um, people about the show. Another way you can do it is you can just go tell one of your friends, tell a coworker, tell a a random person who you socially distance see somewhere. uh, And we'd love to have new listeners. Yeah. um, If you'd like to do even more than that, uh, we would love it if you signed up for our Patreon campaign. Uh, We did get a, a new patron this week, which is pretty exciting. And uh, you know, I've, I've, I love it when we get those. Um, this is what we do to help defray the costs of putting all this stuff together, uh, hosting costs and equipment costs, other things like that. So um, we would love it for you to uh, go sign up for that as well. If you sign up for the $10 a month level, you will also get a cool t-shirt and a shout out on the show. And uh, last thing, we'd love it if you want to give us a a Christmas gift this year. I think the thing we would most like would be uh, for you to do an interview for the show. Um, we, one of the great things we've had the luck over the last couple of years is some awesome members of the community, just like you, who have uh, who have gone and talked to other folks in the community who they thought should be profiled on the show. And that way, it's not Alex and I who are doing every one of these interviews. Um, if you're interested in doing that, reach out to us on Slack or an email, and, and we would love to set that up. Yeah. Um, so I think our, our last piece here is to, uh, to call out uh, our new patron for this week. And uh, that patron is Daniel Ayala. So thank you, Daniel, for, for signing up to be a patron with Colorado Equal Security, um, a, a great member of our community, and we uh, appreciate the support that he gives us. Yeah, a big, big thanks, Daniel. We really, really do appreciate that. 
All right, let's jump into the news. Uh, you know, we like to start off with some stuff that's kind of fun. I actually really enjoyed this article, and I think it might be worth, you know, usually we're we pretty cursory. I think we could go through most of this here uh, on the show. Um, this is a, a write-up by Colorado Inno, uh, which is now part of the Denver Business Journal, talking about uh, gift ideas if you want to buy your, your Christmas gifts just from Colorado startups. Yeah, and... You know, when I think of startup, I think of technology startup, but that's not exactly what they're talking about here. A lot of these are not technology related, uh, which is good because um, there are lots of good gifts here that are not technology. Um, you know, we've got a couple here in the uh, the food category. First, uh, Blonde Beards, which I think we've actually talked about on the show before. Uh, they make hot sauces, um, including an IPA buffalo hot sauce and uh, Little Secrets, which is a, a chocolatier. Yeah, that one, those sound really good, and I know my wife would love the the little secrets chocolatier. I, I went down the next section, which is around uh, the for the thirsty one around drinks. Um, there's one that's, do you love that hoppy beer flavor, but you don't want the alcohol? Well, look no further than the hop tea. It's a hop larks hop tea. So if you want to get the the hoppiness of beer without the alcohol or beer, uh, you can have some tea that apparently tastes as disgusting as hoppy beer does. I, I I'm sorry, I, that's like my least favorite part of beer right there. Yeah, uh, moving down to the uh, gadgets, gear, and tech section, uh, we have another couple products that we've talked about before. One is butterflies with a D. Uh, th- these are the uh, the headphones that are uh, supposed to fit better, so they give you better sound quality. And then also uh, Josh.ai, which we talked about uh, last week or maybe the week before, which is um, you know high end uh, in home sort of entertainment. Uh, you know, like an Alexa or something like that to, yeah. to help control your your AV products. Yeah, I remember when we talked about it last time, the, the, the big differentiator for them was that rather than being big, that they focus on being really small with their technology. Right. Um, the next one on here in the tech area is Rover products. And it looks like it's basically like Colorado's version of a Yeti cooler. That's what I think I'm reading here. Um, highly, you know, bear resistant, uh, made for outdoors, puncture proof tires, um, 10 days of refrigeration, uh, pretty cool stuff. Yeah. Uh, one of the other ones that's, uh, sort of near and dear to me, bond pet foods. Um, they have, uh, animal free protein, rich pet food that you can get that are based out of Boulder. Um, having some pets myself, I think that that's a good thing. Yeah. Uh, if you, if you scroll down, there's a couple of, uh, hygienic ones. So, uh, they have, there's a company here called Wipies, um, which does wipes here just in town, non-toxic wipes for cl- for travel and, and cleaning needs. Um, and then there's Spinster Sisters, which is a, a local company that does a line of sustainable soaps, bath bombs, and skincare products. All kinds yeah. of cool stuff. Yeah. So uh, support your local Colorado startups and, and find some good gifts while you're at it. Yeah. We love that. All right. Uh, next, we have a, a few Den- Denver-based foundations that are joining to help keep rural movie theaters open uh, during the pandemic. Yeah, you know, I, I, it never even occurred to me that obviously now that I read it, obviously this this industry is just getting crushed and um, it's for rural cities who have movie theaters, kind of like the main street of those towns. Um, the movie theater is often right at the heart of that. Right. And through the pandemic, they're just not there. Obviously they're doing terrible. They can't they can't stay open. Um, so this, this is a... Uh, a, a few different organizations. So the, the, is it Bocher, Bocher Foundation? Um, 
the Gates Family Foundation of Denver and the El Pomar Foundation of Colorado Springs have joined together uh, with a, a government uh, organization to offer aid to those org- to those movie theaters. So there's somewhere between 25 and 35 theaters across the state. They're going to get grants um, as much as $12,500 just to, to stay open through the pandemic. Yeah, this is pretty cool. Um, you know, I grew up in a small town that has a uh, this, this kind of movie theater in it. And you know, it, it was definitely, um, you know, a, a gathering place in the center of town. And you don't want these things to go away uh, because we have a, a, you know, a temporary issue like the pandemic. So uh, seeing people step up like this is great. Um, love to have those movie theaters available after all this uh, goes away and people can go back and watch movies. Awesome. Uh, so this next one that needs a little bit of a, a preface, I think, I'm sure you're aware, you know, I'm certainly well aware of time every year does a, a person of the year award. Um and, uh, you know, person of the year last year for the first time ever was a kid. And it was, uh, oh man, I'm not ready to say her name. Gretchen, the Thurnberg. Thurnberg. Thank you. The, the woman who's been very, or young, young woman who's been very active on, uh, climate change and trying to get, you know, PR around that. Um, so this year for the very first time, time has chosen to, uh, select a kid of the year. Um, and unbelievably that award has come from Colorado. Yeah, so uh, Gidan Jolly Rao, who is a young scientist and inventor uh, who attends a STEM school in Highlands Ranch. Uh, she's 15 years old, and she was named Time's first ever Kid of the Year. Yeah, it's it's amazing. So, it, yes, she attends STEM school, and she's 15, and that that by itself is amazing that someone 15 years old is able to do this. But she's been she's been like on the national stage at least since she was 13. Yeah. Um, because I, I know I know we've talked about her on the podcast. I think we talked about when when she did the uh, uh, a clean water yeah. uh, invention in here. I, I think her clean water invention is the thing that's given her the most publicity. But uh, she's she's I, so I have a I have an eleven year old who actually goes to that same school, and I was like, hey, you should see. So one of your classmates won this award, and I pop open the video and show him. Um, and she she starts describing the nanotechnology that she's using to clean things that, and I and I can't even use all the words she used because it was uh, it was very complex and he's like what is she doing like <laughs> I mean there's just no way for considering the age of her and the the things she's already done it's just it's over the top super super impressive um, and a big big shout out to her for uh, for being recognized and and hopefully we're gonna get to talk about her uh, every couple of years for a long time. Yeah, one of the newer things that she did too is we she created uh, an app to help with uh, cyberbullying uh, bullying online. So that's pretty cool as well. Yeah, good stuff. All right, uh, next uh, we have a story about the Sphero uh, spinoff that I believe we talked about when it happened, Company Six, but they've uh, released their first robot for first responders, and it's a uh, it's a throwable, which sounds funny, uh, mobile video robot. So you can take this and you could say. I don't know, throw it into a building where there's a fire or something like that. Yeah, it's only one one pound. Um, and and really the, the idea is it becomes a set of eyes that you can send into a, a dangerous place. Uh, you can have as many folks as you want streaming and watching what it observes. Um, and of course, those people are able to stay out of harm's way and um, and really kind of, how do you how do you find the, uh, the, the people who are trapped inside of a fire? Or, you know, how, how, do you, how do you look for these things in a really dangerous area? Well, now we can not have one of our first responders have to put them own, their own selves at risk. Uh, really cool stuff. Um, it's, it's, it's using com, uh, first responder networks r- r- rather, than, or rather than just using um, commercial networks. So right. um, pretty cool stuff. It is pretty cool. 
All right. Uh, moving forward, uh, there's a new company moving to town. So the, a national apartment developer uh, called Related Development. I didn't know them, but I guess that's not a surprise. I don't know a lot of big uh, apartment uh, developers. I know all the apartment developers, Rob. <laughs> I'm very familiar with these guys. So Related Development, you, you must be excited to know, is coming to town. They're going to have Denver be their uh, kind of their se- their second headquarters. Yeah, thankfully they didn't say HQ2 or something like that, but this is their their West Coast headquarters. Um, they are based in Miami, and it sounds like they do sort of uh, upscale uh, kind of uh, apartment units. So they, they said that they're going to be you know based here and also doing some uh, some work in Denver. So they're going to be uh, creating some luxury rentals most likely here. Um, you know, obviously as well as being the base for uh, their West Coast operations, but. Also going to be looking at building, though this is funny, some more attainable housing as opposed to affordable housing, because it probably won't be affordable, but it's going to be nicer housing that is more attainable. Uh, sounds pretty good. I, you know, I, I did look in the article to, to try and give the relevant stats, like how many Denver employees they have now and how many they're planning to hire. They didn't share that in this article. Um, so I don't know if that means there's no one here yet or what, but the, the article did call out that they're planning to have a partner located here in Denver to, to head up that practice. And that person's not yet identified. So more to come on that. Nice. All right. Uh, moving on. Uh, there is an announcement from the National Cybersecurity Center down in Colorado Springs. They have named a new CEO uh, who is a retired Air Force Lieutenant General. Uh, this is Harry uh, Radwidge, um, who is in, uh, in Colorado Springs and, and taken over there for Vance Brown, who had been CEO for a couple of years. I think uh, not necessarily by choice. He had kind of taken over uh, as an interim basis and you know, it was just kind of uh, hung around for a little while. So now they've got a uh, new person there to take over the reins. It sounds like he had been involved with uh, the NCC for a little while, coming up with a strategy for them for, uh, you know, a strategic plan. And then they hired him to be CEO. Yeah, this is really, really interesting stuff. I, I don't know this gentleman, but uh, he definitely has an impressive resume. Um, he he was uh, one of the, they say, kind of one of the fathers of cybersecurity within the military. Um he, he was the director of the of DISA, the Defense Information Systems Agency. He was the chairman of the Deloitte Center for Cyber Innovation. Uh, and he was a managing director over at Deloitte doing cyber risk services. Uh, a lot of good background there. Um, there. A little bit more about Vance Brown, who did this for, it was actually three years. If you remember, we had him on the show right at the very beginning of his tenure. Yeah. Um, so pretty wow, hard pretty, to believe that was three years ago. Pretty crazy, right? I, I, I was shocked. It says he's been here three years. Uh, the, under his uh, tutelage, though, the organization grew from um, two employees to 14. Uh, and and they, they actually called out some other stuff he did. Uh, they launched the Space Information Sharing and Analysis Center, which I think that just happened this year. I think that was one of the most recent things they've done there. Yeah. Um, they also started a program to make mobile voting secure uh, through technology to be used in elections. I don't know. Uh, why blockchain technology is part of that, but apparently it is. Uh, they began a program to make smart cities more secure, uh, and they also initiated a workforce development program um, to help combat the uh, this skill shortage. So a lot of programs got started down there, and uh, hopefully Harry comes in and, and keeps those things moving forward. Yeah, and uh, Vance is not staying around. Um, he is going to be, well, he's going to be close by, but uh, he's going to be now the chairman of Exponential Impact, uh, which is a, sort of an accelerator down there on uh, for cybersecurity and uh, other types of technology pieces. So good stuff. Awesome. Good to see news coming from those guys. Yep. Uh, next piece of news is a, another Denver security company. Ping Identity is uh, 
uh, has, has been named a leader in the most recent magic quadrant uh, from Gartner. So you guys, I mean, we all know Gartner does their, their magic thinking around where folks go. Um, and Ping did great this year. Um, the number one company on ability to execute in the quadrant, you can see, you know, most of the way at the upper right, um, significantly higher than last year. It's pretty cool to, to see that kind of a improvement in the IAM category. Yeah. Uh, congratulations to you and to Ping uh, for continuing to put, put out great products and uh, for being recognized by Gartner. Good stuff. Uh, next, we have a blog by Red Canary. Uh, this one is another good blog by them talking about how to detect yellow cockatoo, um, which is a uh, rem .NET remote access Trojan and some other things that, uh, that they have been seeing. Uh, this is also a, a collaboration in terms of uh, some notes with a, another group from uh, Morphosec who has been seeing some similar activities. So uh, lots of technical detail in here. Um, again, we're one of these great Red Canary blogs that talks about uh, the actual detection opportunities, some uh, IOCs, exactly what to look for, things like that in terms of uh, finding what they are calling yellow cockatoo. Yeah, they, they do mention this is one that you know I'd never heard of yellow cockatoo. I think that they just recently named it that. Um, uh, but they said that this is one of the highest or most commonly recognized threats that they're seeing for for several months now. Um, so it, you know this is something that might be worthwhile for you to, to send to your security operations team to see if it's something you you guys are experiencing in your environment. Pretty cool. All right, moving forward, we have a, a blog post from Logarithm this this week, uh, talking about the state of data privacy and what what that looks like in different states. Yeah, and the the question that they're sort of asking in this blog is, do you have rights to your data, um, and not like in a philosophical way, but uh, basically, you know, where you live in our case, uh, Colorado, or potentially most places in the United States. Uh, is there actually legal recourse for you to ask companies either for, you know, give you your data or, you know, remove your data, things like that. Uh, obviously, we know uh, GDPR is in place and CCPA is in place in California. Uh, but, you know, this blog is a bit of an experiment, actually. So they actually made some requests to various companies from uh, people of different places to see what they could get and, in terms of uh, seeing what data uh, companies had on them. Um, so a pretty interesting, uh, I, don't, I was going to say thought experiment, but actual experiment there. Good stuff. Our last story for this week is uh, is actually a, a link to another podcast. So it's, this is pretty meta. So we are, we're on our podcast. We're going to talk about, <laughs> about a pod podcast. Well, about a podcast that's about a podcaster. So, so Doug Brush, Douglas Brush, who he's you know local guy who is pretty very active in the um, the Colorado Equal Security community. Um, he's all, he's got his own podcast called Cybersecurity Interviews, and he was interviewed on a podcast called Digital for, or Forensics Focus, rather, really talking about uh, his own career. Um, he he talks about you know gives some advice around career paths, whether you should go generalist or specialist, and kind of how you do each of those. He talks about training, um, you know what what training makes sense, and and how do you use limited training budgets. Uh, talks about mentoring. And of course, you know, Douglas is, uh, is, is really big on trying to get new folks into the industry. And I think that's another uh, focus of this, this conversation. And so for anyone who's considering getting in, this might be a good one to listen to. Yeah. And I would say if you're sitting there thinking, oh my gosh, another podcast to listen to. I mean, I only have time to listen to the Colorado Equal Security podcast every week. Well, you were in luck. The link that we have here actually has a transcription of the podcast too. So you could actually read it instead of listen to it. Yeah, that way you don't have to listen to people talk. That's the worst. Couldn't right. be more. Oh, man, I hate people talking. 
Hey, speaking of uh, people talking, let's talk about the Slack message of the week. Um, big thanks to Andre Gaeta every week. He's, uh, he's using his own money to recognize folks who are continuing to move the conversation forward in the Slack channel. Um, and, and he pays for a, uh, an item for each of those people out of the Colorado Equal Security Store. Um, this week, uh, we're recognizing Flint. Um, Flint has, uh, was sharing a little bit about his own professional experience on trying to get his company to be better at shifting left and, and kind of adopting that DevSecOps mindset. Um, he talked a little bit about how they do that. And he also does a shout out to RMISC where he, you know, we had a DevSec um, or see, DevOps um, workshop there for the last few years we've had it, I think. Um, and uh, and he, he learned a lot there. And it, I think it's a good conversation and certainly love to see people uh, uh, getting value from those types of uh, engagements. Uh, I love it when we put out something that we think is going to be interesting in the community and someone sees it and uh, absorbs it and actually uses it to make a difference. That's yeah, it doesn't happen want. enough, does it? It's nice, it's nice when it <laughs> well, does. We don't hear about it enough. <laughs> yeah, one way or the other. Probably doesn't happen enough. And we don't hear about it enough. Anyway. Uh, all right. Uh, con congratulations to Flint. Uh, thanks to Andre for supporting the Slack message of the week. Let's move over to events. We are getting really close to the end of the year and events are getting thin. Uh, normally this would be a time of year when I think we would have a lot on here when everyone is doing their, you know, in-person holiday events and happy hours. And we've got a few, but not nearly as many as we would if uh, we could get together in person, but uh, we will persist. So First, uh, on the 8th, uh, there is a Colorado Equals Security Poker Night. You go yeah, this that, is, Rob? Yeah, this is awesome stuff. Jason Jason Jakes uh, has been putting this on for us for, what, I, I feel like it's been most of COVID that he's been doing these on, yeah. every month or so. Um, it, it's a good chance. You, you do come and you, you have to bring your own money. Um, <laughs> I, think it's, I think it's like $20 per person who, who participates, but there's a, you know, there's a prize that that money all goes back out to the winners. And, and I believe that the company that he works for, Chorus 360, also kicks in a bottle of booze for the winner. Um, so you, you, there's a little bit on top. Uh, anyway, that's the, that's the eighth. Also on the eighth, uh, CSA, the Cloud Security Alliance, is doing their December meeting. On the 10th, the Northern Colorado ISSA chapter is doing their December chapter meeting. Uh, on the 16th, ISC Squared Pikes Peak has their, their uh, annual meeting. On the 17th, ISSA Colorado Springs is doing their December meeting and chapter appreciation. And I think the last meeting that we, to talk about of the year is uh, on the, also on the 17th, ISSA Denver and ISACA Denver is doing their annual joint holiday meeting. This is, uh, you know, Alex, you and I were both presidents of ISSA Denver, and this is one of the big events of the year for, for both chapters. Uh, it, it, in person, it was it was always wonderful to get to see those folks who, you know, if you're an ISSA, you might not see the ISACA folks all year. And it was always really nice to, to right. see them, you know, other than RMISC, there's just not a lot of joint stuff. Uh, so this is a really, what was a really cool chance to do that. I, I'm looking forward to seeing the format they use this year and hopefully folks from both chapters can, uh, can make that work. Should be a good time. All right. Uh, let's move over to jobs. Rob, are there any ping identity jobs this week? It's funny. I've had a few jobs every week for a while now. We must be near a new year and, and new budget coming free. Uh, so I have a few things I'm hiring. I am hiring a, a manager of GRC focused on privacy. Uh, so if you want to help run the privacy program at Ping, I'd, I'd love that, that to talk to you. I'm, I'm also hiring a manager of GRC focused on programs. Um, so someone who would do um, like our SOC 2 audits, our our ISO audits, uh, policies, standards, kind of all that good uh, kind of 
the the meat and potatoes part of GRC. Uh, and then the third thing we're hiring is a product security engineer, someone who's got, you know, maybe think of it as an apps an AppSec engineer. If you have a AppSec background or development background and you want to get more into security, that's the role for you. All right. Uh, Otter Products is looking for an information security analyst. Uh, the Colorado Judicial Branch is hiring a manager of information security. IntelliSecure is looking for a vulnerability management program lead. United Launch Alliance is hiring a cybersecurity analyst three. Smarsh is looking for a senior information security analyst. Smarsh. That is a and, tough name. Yeah. Uh, Smarsh. Uh, Aegon is hiring a, uh, a senior information systems security analyst. And Aegon, you know, you might not know the name Aegon, uh, but they are the parent company that owns uh, Transamerica. So it, it, they, they're, they're actually in the same building as the Transamerica building in downtown Denver. Big company, a lot of really cool opportunities. And finally, OpenText, uh, in this case, that is uh, the WebRoot business unit at OpenText is looking for an advanced threat researcher. All right. Well, I th I think that's it for jobs, and that is it for news this week. Um, we we've we've completed the podcast. Other than Alex, we do have an interview this week, right? We do. I was actually able to interview John Nellen, who is the CEO and count, uh, co founder of Total. That's T O D Y L. Uh, they are a startup that just moved here to town from New York. Um, I believe we talked about that. Uh, I don't know, maybe in May, June, when they were uh, were doing that, and. Uh, finally had a chance to get together with him and had a nice conversation. Well, I'm looking forward to hearing that. And and I remember us talking about them, but I can't for the life of me remember what they do. So I'm excited to figure that out. Well, you will hear in this interview. Cool. All right, Alex. Well, that's it. Uh, we'll look forward to, to talking to you again next week. Sounds good. Thanks, Rob. Thanks, everybody. Hi, this is Chad Payne, Executive Director of IT Operations for Cranky Sports and Entertainment. Welcome to Colorado Equals Security for Colorado security professionals by Colorado security professionals. Welcome to Colorado Equals Security. Uh, this is our feature interview. And this week we have a special guest with us, uh, John Nellen. Uh, welcome, John. Glad to have you on the podcast. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me, Alex. Yeah, uh, glad we could finally connect. You know, we've been uh, trying to make this happen for a little bit, so I'm glad it finally worked out. Um, you know, you are uh, you are the CEO of Total, which is a company that's pretty new here in town. Um, very new. You, <laughs> yeah, very new. I think you guys um, you just moved here. I want to say in August or something like that. Is that right? Yeah. So basically, June to August, we moved in waves. Um, just to keep everyone safe with COVID. But yeah, we moved from Midtown Manhattan to, to Denver. So uh, so what was that like, um, I guess, first, moving in the middle of a pandemic and then sort of second, you know, how has it been, you know, in your, your first few months being here in Denver? Yeah, so I guess everything, all, all the moving companies, everything was very busy. There was a lot of people leaving New York at the time. Um, so, uh, it was, you know, scheduling challenges and, and things like that, but, um, nothing too different. I mean, we were in the summer, so things were a little bit more open than, um, right. in the winters and things like that. So we didn't have to, you know, find space on zoom or, or anything like that, but, um, yeah, it was certainly challenging and, you know, just making sure that we did it in a, a safe and efficient manner was, you know, not easy. Um, we love it all. The whole team loves Colorado. We love Denver so far. It was, uh, it, it was almost like a natural fit for us. We were talking about different locations and this had nothing to do with COVID. We, we were talking about this, you know, December of last year, um, 
and just you know going forward with capital efficiency, right? You know, we we're a company that works with MSPs and MSSPs and then sell to small medium businesses. So how can we make the most of you know the the funding that uh, that we had, right? And yeah, we are looking at a couple of different places, landed on Denver, and everyone was just really excited about it. Awesome. Um, uh, yeah, well, you know, we're glad to have you here. Um, that, that's a it's a great story. Um, and we're going to dive into that a little bit more, but I, I want to get sure. uh, a little bit background on you first before we we get there. Um, so uh, I, I noticed um, that this is not the total is not the first company that you have founded. Um, so it seems like this is a, a thing for you. Uh, maybe talk a little bit about your background and and you know some of the stuff you've done uh, you know prior to founding Total. Yeah, sure. So I've been in you know networking and security space for probably about 15 years now. Um, I had a, a startup. I think what you're referring to was actually uh, that was in college, uh, TXT160, and um, essentially it was you know crowd-driven um, uh, messaging marketing tool for local businesses where they could you know promote deals and then people would show up and, and things like this. This was before Groupon and before Flash deals and, and everything else like that. And um, it, yeah. it kind of transformed into uh, more of a um, uh, kind of a question and answer system for large stadiums and trivia and, and things like that. And then um, we, we, we sold that, but yeah, I mean, kind of my journey was really around, you know, kind of started in uh, software, um, working for financial services companies and then worked at uh, Cisco systems for a little bit. And, uh, and then after that worked um, at a large HR services provider where I ran security and technology for a while. And, you know, was fortunate enough to be able to see, um, you know, what everyone's uh, interpretation of, you know, best practice world-class security was. We worked with, you know, about 70% of Fortune 1000. So there's a lot of due diligence, a lot of compliance, and um, basically got a pretty good perspective and, you know, realized over time, you know, the security program itself is just, you know, becoming more expensive, more complicated. And I, I believed it didn't have to be. Um, and that was really yeah. the catalyst for for starting Total was was to change that. that, that that's awesome. Um I think one of the the most interesting things there is that you started that that first startup of yours during college. Um, yeah. I think for for me, I was uh, much more interested in in drinking beer and uh, hanging out than uh, than being productive in my college years. So uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm I'm pretty impressed by that. Was there something in particular that uh, that drove you to do that during that that time, or what was the background there? Yeah, so so I was more on the technology side. Um, I thought it was a great business idea, but it was really just my passion for learning more about technology, and this seemed like a great vehicle to do it in. And this was this was pre-cloud, right? So we, uh, <laughs> we I had literally it was a, a server rack in the closet of my apartment. We had to disconnect the the garbage disposal and run extension cords so we could power everything. <laughs> we had it was. I think one month we had like a $500 electric bill or something silly like that. It was, you know, extremely inefficient, but it was really just passion driven, right? It was about, you know, learning as much as I could. Um, and, you know, just the culmination of building something from, from the ground up, right? I had the opportunity to, you know, build the infrastructure, build the website, build the interactive, you know, texting and, and everything else. So, um, yeah. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, I, I'd imagine based on that, um, while it sounds like it was successful, you probably made a couple of mistakes. Um, what what were some of the things you learned uh, from that first startup? Yeah, I, I think, and, and again, I was I was you know pretty young at the time, but um, just the the business versus technology mindset, right? And just you know embodying the idea that you know the technology supports the business, not the other way around. Probably sounds silly, but as you know, 
was I 19 at the time, things like that. It's pretty easy to lose track of it. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, just, I, I guess that was probably, probably the biggest one, right. It was just that, you know, perspective and focus on, you know, what the purpose is and, and how to fuel the business versus how to fuel technology. Since it was, you know, a, a big hobby and a passion of mine, it was, you know, a little bit easy to get distracted and go down different paths that obviously weren't optimal for the business. But um, yeah, that was, that's what I would say. Yeah, that, that's a great one. Um, you know, I think uh, myself coming up as a technologist, it, it took me a long time to, to learn that part of it too, is, you know, uh, you know, everything for me was sort of technology driven. So that, that's a great, um, a great lesson to learn for sure. Um, so, what you know, you mentioned a little bit about it um, in your your previous answer. Uh, what is it that that really drove you to uh, well, one to start Total, but also just to to be an entrepreneur again? Because it sounded like you were, um, you know, working for some companies in between there. Yeah, I mean, it was, I really believed in the idea and I saw a very big problem um, and did it over time, right? So kind of worked nights and weekends for um, a year on, you know, prototypes and things like that before we were able to do our first round of, of funding and, and move over full time. But yeah, I mean, I, I just, I really believed in it, saw a big problem and the more people I talked to, the more excitement there was um, and just decided to run with it. Nice. And uh you know, I, I've I've seen many people sort of do the, the similar thing um, where, you know, they, they have an idea, they start working on it, they, you know, it's a, kind of a second job. Um, what was it that, um, that that led you to 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 think that this was going to be successful and, and, you know, really move forward with making it a business? Yeah, um, that's a good question. I mean, it, it, it honestly was. It was a problem in the market opportunity, um, and I believe there wasn't a great solution for it, right? And, you know, kind of doing on the nights and the weekends, most of it you know, didn't really amount to, to anything, right? It was just more of, you know, kind of proving right. it out, seeing the difficulty of it. I think at, at the start of it, um, it kind of turned – I started out with, you know, how hard would it be to do this, right, with like an MVP mindset, Um and kind of took it from there. But yeah, I mean, it was just, it was just the excitement that we saw and, you know, just the scale of the problem that has kept us and continues to keep us very excited and very motivated to kind of, you know, running towards this vision that we have. Yeah. Uh, you know, so with that, maybe I think it's time now to, to talk a little bit about, you know, what total is and, you know, what it is that you guys are trying to do. Yeah, sure. So in short, we, we combine multiple, networking and security point solutions together into into a like a unified security cloud platform for MSPs and MSSPs right so the the core of our platform is what we call the secure global network cloud platform it's a basically a SASE platform and we have integrated SIEM and GRC governance risk and compliance but it's all built and focused on the MSP and MSSP channel for those who sell to small medium businesses nice and and so my my assumption here is the the problem that you saw was uh, you know something related to you know many businesses, especially smaller, even medium sized ones, they might not have the resources themselves to um, to really come up with uh, a technology solution for all of these different pieces, right? So you know they they would obviously need a um, you know a large team, and you know maybe they would go to a, a service provider for that, but um, it sounds like maybe that this particular piece was not available in the, the service provider market. 
Yeah, it wasn't, right? And, and you know, kind of taking a step back and looking at, you know, the channel, the service provider channel, a lot of it's, you know, kind of tool focused, right? Very narrow point solutions where you have, you know, some sort of a, a VPN tool, a security P tool, security DNS tool, right? Then you'll have a firewall and you'll have, before you know it, you have, you know, 10, 12 different products that don't really talk to each other. They're all independent, right? And it's, you know, super inefficient and it gets, just gets more and more expensive over time. And that, you know, creates these difficult decisions, right? What do we take out? What do we leave behind? Um, and we, I, we came in with the perspective of, you know, there was a need for a platform, right? How do we start tying all this together in a single place? Um, to help the the channel, you know, make it easier to to operationalize and implement uh, best practice security. Yeah, so I, I am I'm curious um, the my technologist side. How did you guys yeah. uh, go about you know trying to solve this? Did did you um, you know did you start developing all these individual um, I guess we'll call them point products yourself in a combined platform? Did you uh, you know kind of go out to the market and and take uh, you know, sort of products or open source that was already there and then then try and pull pull them together in a platform? How, how does that part work? Yeah, so so it's a little bit of all of that. Um, we, we actually started out as a hardware company, right? So, so back in 2016, 2017, we were approaching this from a hardware angle, um, which is, you know, very difficult for startups and, and also wasn't really solving the platform, right? Because it was creating, you know, a lot of the complexity and costs that we were trying to get rid of. So we basically, you know, kind of ported this this engine that we created into the cloud. Um, and then I guess, what, three years, three years later, it's now called Sassy, right? <laughs> but um, yeah, we, we, we moved into the cloud and we just kept adding additional features and functionality to it, whether, you know, we developed it in-house from the ground up, whether we, you know, kind of ride on top of open source. Um, yeah, it's kind of a mix of all of that, but that's what, what really powers the engine there. Yeah. Um, so so I, I think I have the, the most important question that's going to come this entire interview, which is, um, what is your opinion of the term sassy? Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, I, I think it's great to be able to call, you know, us something and to call that kind of, you know, uh, product something. Um, it, it's interesting, right? I, I look at it as, you know, just the confluence of, of networking and network security together in the cloud, right? And just kind of aggregating all these different solutions together. I, I think it's I think it's super helpful. I think it makes sense. Um, I think it sounds kind of cool too. It's catchy. <laughs> yeah, so I, I'd imagine that most people listening know uh, what the term means, but you know, how is it that that you would define, you know, uh, from your perspective, and I guess you know, from your the, from your product perspective? Yeah, the the way I usually describe it, I'm not sure if it's more clarifying or confusing is, but, you know, bringing the edge down to the user, right? And just bringing the edge down, right? So um, the idea of, you know, combining together different elements of SD-WAN, cloud VPN, secure web gateway, um, all the different, you know, features and functionality, kind of, you know, molding them together. But the idea being that rather than having kind of, you know, like a, a single network, single edge that all the traffic is flowing through, you're able to bring it closer to the users to deliver better performance, you know, better security in an environment that's, you know, more distributed than ever. We call it the everywhere and anywhere uh, kind of, you know, working paradigm now. Nice. Um, yeah, and I know, you know, there are many providers out there that, um, that now do provide SASE or, um, you know, whatever you, you want to call these solutions. Sure. Um, is there, granted, you're not, mar you know, many of them are marketing directly to, uh, to enterprises or small, medium-sized businesses. 
um, you know, which you guys um, are not, but, you know, what is it that makes your platform different than, you know, one of these other platforms that's out there already that someone could just go out and, and buy? Yeah, absolutely. Well, there's a number of different things, right? So, you know, first is just um, the broad spectrum nature of what we're doing, right? So we're not just sassy, we have other components that we're combining together into this unified platform for for the channel. But um, beyond that, there's, you know, a lot of products out there that, you know, you can kind of spin up an instance in AWS or a cloud service, right? And then you kind of deploy the agent and everything goes through there. But those tend to be more of like a zero trust uh, SDP solution, then you have more of the enterprise providers, right, which are, um, you know, true SASE, but they're, you know, complicated, expensive. Some of them still rely on hardware in order to make that happen. The way that we built this was, you know, to be pure software, right, um, to be uh-huh. endpoint driven um, and to, to create the ability to have like a full mesh network, right? So every device gets its own static cloud IP. So you can have devices talking to devices and everything else, um, which is powerful, right? Since, you know, look at the small and medium business, a lot of them are going moving rapidly towards cloud first, right? So being able to have, you know, a cloud native networking and security platform that, you know, helps kind of capture and integrate all those different things together. Yeah. And I'm, I'm curious also, um, everything that you, you said makes sense to me. Um, however, I'm not sure how much sense the, the, those differentiators would make to someone that is, uh, you know, more on the purchasing end of this, you know, how is, how is it that you guys, um, you know, help translate that into a, um, you know, a more, um, you know, business uh, centric language so that people can understand what it is that you're actually delivering. Yeah. So, I mean, it's almost like a double hop, right? Because when we talk to our channel partners, right, it's, it's a different conversation than when they talk to the small and medium business owner. Right. But the way that we we designed it and the way that we built it is truly a platform for MSPs and MSSPs, right? So you can white label it, you have, you know, all of these different solutions together. But what we do is we we help them, you know, kind of compress their stack and eliminate a lot of the tooling that exists so that they can have something, you know, comprehensive. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm sure that's a great proposition for them. Um, I, I am curious, you know, what sort of challenges that you have run into um, as part of this, you know, it, it's one thing trying to, to create a product to sell to someone. It's another thing uh, to create a, you know, a product that can be multi-tenant that you can sell to, um, you know, multiple companies to resell to multiple companies. That that seems like it would be a, a pretty uh, daunting task. Yeah, I mean, that was our biggest challenge, right? And um, it continues to be one is that we do a lot. Right. So when you're a startup, usually the the idea is to focus on something very narrow, MVP, go to market, grow. Right. Whereas we decided to almost do the opposite where we went wide. So um, it took us a while to go to market. There was a lot of R&D behind it. Right. A lot of money to fuel that 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 went into it. Um, But, yeah, I mean, you know, going wide versus narrow was the only way that I believed we could solve this problem. Right. And it was very difficult um, to kind of get to that point. Yeah. Uh, I I can imagine. Uh, I mean, the other thing that comes to mind for me is, you know, you guys are a startup. Um, I'd imagine you're still fairly small, um, and you know, most startups in that that stage, they are worrying less about their own security. They're more worried about you know getting a product out and you know getting adoption of that product. Whereas you know, you guys 
providing a, a product that does uh, security in some senses, um, how is it you make sure that you are building the the right level of security into your product for your customers? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a, a great question and um, probably going to be a pretty lengthy answer. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I look at it through a couple of different lenses, right? There's one, how do how do we at Total keep ourselves safe, right? And that's our responsibility to, you know, protecting not only our business, but the platform and everything else for, for our customers, for our partners. But then also, how do we create the best possible platform for them to then deliver to protect the small and medium businesses with, right? Um, so, yeah, I mean, we, we drink our own champagne here at Total, right? Um, we, you know, we use Total internally. Um, we use it through and through and it's a balance of you know just taking more time to plan right so it's you know measure twice cut once and you know making sure that we're approaching any new modules any new features that we're adding to the platform correctly with you know inherent security versus sometimes you know startups are just running at 100 miles per hour we're a little bit slower um, than probably some others but there's you know a method behind that and the method behind that is just to make sure that we're doing things right from the start um, we also you know have a number of you know different partners that we use as you know to make sure that we're not in an echo chamber to have you know an external perspective on you know architectures and everything else but yeah i mean from, from that perspective it's again a lot of our backgrounds come from the security space right so we kind of had it in our dna to kind of do this right um and that's that's really what leads us there yeah yeah and then i, I am curious you know as you you go down this road and you mature the product more and more um you know your your market has uh, has been managed service providers. Do you think there'll, there'll ever be a time when you uh, start doing more direct sales or enterprise sales or things like that? You know, someone might, um, you know, first, for example, use this as part of a, a managed service provider when they're at a, you know, a smaller business and then go to a larger enterprise and go, man, I, I really want to use uh, Total still, but, you know, we're, you know, we have our own team. We don't, we don't need this managed service provider. Yeah, yeah, that's a great question. We have a lot of work to do um, to get to where we want to be and really fulfill our vision of of getting this, you know, platform to where we want to be for the channel. Um, I, I think there is, you know, a number of aspects of the channel, but we're committed to the channel right now and and yeah. going forward. Uh, that, that's awesome. Um, you know, speaking of that, I think I'd love to know a little bit more about you know where you guys are. Uh, as a company, I, I know that it, it sounds like you're still, you know, fairly small, uh, fairly new. You know, how big are you guys? What What are your plans? Are you growing? Uh, stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, we're we're growing tremendously fast. Um, so can't can't give away any you know specific numbers, right? But sure. Um, sure, sure. Yeah, just I mean, I would just say you know, um, and then on top of that, yeah, I mean, again, so. We're, we're channel only, so all the partners that we bring on, they have the their small, medium businesses that they then go and sell to, and that helps create kind of this multiplier acceleration type path, right? Because we work with one partner, it's like working with 30, 50, 100, or even more small, medium businesses, right? So that's why we love the channel and we're committed to it. Yeah, and and uh, how big are you guys in terms of uh, employee base and things like that? Are you, and I, I guess, I, I don't know where you are in terms of, uh, stage of that sort of thing or are you is, is it all in-house are you um are you using outsourcing some of this stuff or, or how's that part working for you guys these days 
Yeah, no, we're all in-house. We have about 10 people um, and we're looking to hire five more. So now that we're in Denver, we're you know aggressively hiring, looking to meet the right people and uh, continue to grow total. So that those 10, did they all come with you from New York to here? Uh, no, some of them came from Denver. Some of them came from the Bay Area, but they all moved here. Nice. That That is pretty cool. And now yeah. you're all here in Denver and can't see each other. <laughs> <laughs> exactly <laughs> yeah um no that, that, that's great and you, you talked a little bit about it earlier about why you moved to denver um in terms of you know maximizing capital I, i've got to imagine it is uh, very expensive to run a business out of new york city um what was the what was the reasoning behind denver specifically the, that made you guys want to come here oh the talent Right. It was it was almost an easy decision. Right. So there's, you know, a lot of different channel companies that are in, you know, the Denver Boulder area. Um, but on top of it, a big a big push was for the talent. So just looking at, you know, the available cyber talent, things like that. Denver seemed like a great fit. Nice. Um, I, I'm curious as you uh, you move on through uh, through hiring and uh, and growth, you know, what is that? the the next stage look for you guys just uh you know continuing to plod forward adding uh incremental uh functions and things like that or do you guys have you know larger plans for for what's coming next we we have pretty lofty plans um and you know as we continue to hire we're building out teams to attack you know different areas and additional kind of tooling that exists that we can continue to grow and consolidate into our into our platform yeah, and um, I know you're not going to give any away any secrets, but you know what are some some areas in general that you think um, are are being underserved in the you know in, in the cybersecurity market right now? So you know obviously you you mentioned that you guys have um, you know several pieces to the platform already. Um, you know whether it's the things you're going to add or you know other areas that you think um, you know people aren't doing enough or or there's a gap today. Yeah, I think segmentation, right? Especially internal segmentation is a big challenge, right? How do you how do you get that right? right. Um, in, in the SMB world, visibility, right? So DPI and SSL expe- uh, inspection is, you know, there's very common gaps that exist. Um, vulnerability management, right? The whole vulnerability vulnerability management lifecycle for the channel, I, I think, is uh, another opportunity too to to help. Yeah. Um, I, especially the, well, vulnerability management, that's one where, you know, it's been around so long, you would have hoped that it would have been solved by now, but I think we all know that <laughs> there are still, <laughs> still problems in that area. Right. So, um, yeah, yeah I, I think the, uh, yeah, we're pretty good at, at finding what's wrong, but there's still the second half of, of making sure that it gets fixed. Um, I think that's one of the biggest pieces in that area, but I definitely agree with you that, um, segmentation especially um you know as you get smaller and smaller segmentation um you know that that's something that i think um that everybody can use especially those uh those small medium-sized businesses absolutely yeah um john what have i missed what what should i have asked you that i i haven't asked you yet um 
No, I, I think you covered a lot of it. Something that's that's on our minds and what we're really thinking about is, you know, how does 5G play in with everything, right? Um, mm. As, you know, especially since we, we've been hearing about it, right, for a while, it's slowly starting to come to reality. We're seeing that, you know, small areas have, you know, very good throughput. Um, however, it's almost creating... Uh, ubiquitous connectivity, right? In major metro areas, you could usually find Wi-Fi. You can, you know, your, your hotspot usually works pretty well. But the idea of having these, you know, 5G enabled devices, right? Especially when you have, you know, very distributed organizations. Um, that's something that we're, you know, we're really thinking about, we're really focused on because it, it changes the idea of the network, right? Especially for, well, really both for, for the enterprise and even the SMB, right? Um, and that's something that, you know, we believe Total can, can really help with and, and something that we're, uh, we're, we're digging pretty deep in. Yeah, I mean, I think it was one thing when uh, the, the SASE type vendors, you know, before they were called SASE, you know, started to come about as people were, you know, becoming more cloud native, becoming more mobile. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it was like, oh, you know, the edge is moving closer and closer to to these devices. And, you know, at the time it was kind of like, yeah, I mean, it is a little bit, but, you know, nothing's fundamentally changed. Um, I can see where, you know, if if all of a sudden, um, you know, there is large adoption of, uh, of 5G and, and, you know, it's everyone connected everywhere all the time you know, really that, that edge moves, you know, farther and farther out and you really do need something that can, um, you know, work with all of those devices that are, you know, constantly connected. Yeah, absolutely. Right. And it's been a transition over time where, you know, we've seen what I would call the rise of the unmanaged network, right. Where you have, you know, co-working spaces, you have, you know, home offices, you have, you know, on the go coffee shops, hotels, airports, all that good stuff. Right. And it's, it's been growing, right. And it's creating a challenge of, you know, ensuring connectivity and security um, on the unmanaged network. And then 5G just takes that, you know, to the, to the next step entirely. Um, it, it only makes sense that we're going to have, you know, 5G enabled devices, uh, I, I can't see it any other way, right? It's just, it's a lot more cost effective for the telcos and for the providers. And um, yeah, I, I definitely think it's the the path forward and uh, a big opportunity too, right? So some of the partners that we have are, you know, looking into, well, how do you just drop ship, you know, 5G enabled devices with total, right? What, what does it mean to not have to set up the internal network and what does the internal network really mean anymore, right? Can you just move, move right. it entirely to the cloud? Um, so it's a very exciting time uh, overall. Yeah, uh, things are changing fast, and it, it sounds like you guys are going to be on uh, on the edge of that, not, uh, uh, pun intended. Uh, <laughs> uh, all right, well, I think uh, we are getting close to time, John. It's been wonderful talking to you. Uh, before we wrap up, um, you did mention that, that you guys are hiring. What What sort of positions are you guys hiring for? Yeah, so we have um, about four senior software engineer positions across networking, security, full stack, um, desktop applications, APIs. We have uh, DevOps openings, uh, and we also have sales op openings as well. So come check us out, total.com slash about to see the job listings. And I'm sure people will be able to figure it out um, based on the uh, the posting of this uh, podcast, but total is spelled T-O-D-Y-L. So um, don't want anybody going to total.com. 
Uh, Important clarification. <laughs> Thank you, Alex. <laughs> uh, awesome. Well, anything else before we get out of here, John? No, that's it. Thanks so much for having me. Awesome. Well, it's been great talking to you. Uh, this has been Colorado Equal Security, and we will talk to you next time. Learn more about the Colorado security scene at colorado-security.com, where you can see information about local security groups, a calendar of upcoming security events, and learn more about Colorado equals security. Reach out to Alex and Rob by emailing info at colorado-security.com. Until next time, remember, Colorado equals security.